Welcome, I am Bree. I'm a doctor of physical therapy, the founder of Femme Fusion Fitness, and the author of Lady Bits, Understand Your Body, Elevate Your Health, and Reclaim Your Spark Naturally. My mission is to build community and awareness around women's wellness and pelvic health. I invite you to listen, laugh, learn about, and love all of the bits that make you whole. Let's go to the show. Hello, hello. I am a little late in today's episode, in airing today's episode, but I have a good reason. I've been taking care of myself. And in fact, I am actually going to go put my feet up and my hips up after I after I finish recording this episode and posting it for you all. If you listen to last week's episode, which is all about the meridian system and caring for your bladder and your spleen meridians and your kidney meridians, I shared a little bit about how I've been having some pelvic health symptoms as my pressures and stresses in work and in life had been increasing over the last couple of months. And I will tell you, I had a miracle happen recently. And I actually talk about it in this upcoming Q&A, but I'm just going to briefly tell you now. Basically, I <laughs> I was able to completely resolve all of those symptoms. No more bladder urgency, no more frequency, the golf ball-sized, you know, knot of tension in my perineum gone, feelings of heaviness in my pelvis gone after I released my beautiful coarse baby lift. 2.0 into the world. Lyft has lifted off. Lyft has launched. And I I just put so much work into this program and so much heart and so much love. And I wanted it to be so, so special for you. And so um, with that being said, it's out there in the world. And I'll tell you that as much as I loved producing it and creating it and getting it out there, it also was a lot of stress. It was that you stress, like the, the good stress, right? It was the good stress. And so as soon as it released into the world on Saturday, January 23rd, all of my symptoms were completely gone. (laughs) So what a beautiful, um, poignant picture of how, you know, even people who focus on their pelvic floor and pelvic health for their life's work can still have issues. And what a really big reminder about the power of the mind when it comes to pelvic tension and the power of your emotions, you know, emotions that you're putting into something can really, really create an impact on your pelvic floor. I believe I've shared this on the podcast before, but I'm going to quickly say it again. There was this really cool study that showed a, it showed a group of people and they were measured, their muscular activity was measured in their shoulders and their pelvic floor. And it was measured by EMG, biofeedback, and they were watching four different movies. So a relaxing and calming movie, a romantic movie, a sexually threatening movie, and then just a scary movie. So interestingly, in all of the people, the muscular activity went up in the bad movies, the sexually threatening movie and the scary movie, the muscular activity went up. But what was really fascinating is how much, how significantly it went up more in the pelvic floor, even than in the shoulders. And we all take for granted that when you're stressed out, you get knots in your shoulders, you get tension in your shoulders, you get tension headaches, you get tension up high, right? Tension in your head. And you do, but you also get it in your pelvic floor. And 
It's just an undersung area that a lot of people, we really don't think about it. We don't realize it. But when those muscles are tense and tight, they're going to be squeezing around things that are going to irritate your bladder. It's going to make you feel more urgency and frequency. It could potentially make your prolapse worse if there's some descent of the the organs of your of your pelvic organ shift. The muscles tightening around that those shifted pelvic organs is going to potentially aggravate the condition. So really, really important to just always remember, what is it? Like, why why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling so <laughs> stressed? I knew, I knew why I was feeling so stressed. And I just, honestly, I just had to power through. And I did. And now I feel so much better. So I share this with you. I shared it toward the end of this Q&A. But it's just such important information. I really wanted you to hear it before I get to it in the Q&A, if you can't listen all the way through. Really, really important information to remember the power of taking care of yourself, of stepping back if you need to, of getting help if you need to now and then. It's really important. So with all that being said, today's episode is from a Q&A that I just did on Instagram Live. So I literally just recorded it um, on Instagram Live, and I and I also was recording here on the, the podcast too. So uh, if you heard it on Instagram, awesome. You don't need to listen anymore. If you didn't hear it on Instagram, then you can catch it here. I answered rapid fire style several questions, and I think they'll all translate to podcast audio only. Even though I did a couple of demonstrations, you should be able to kind of figure out what I'm talking about. And if you're interested in my lift program. I really recommend checking it out. It's in the show notes, or you can go to bit.ly slash getfemlift. Again, all the information is in the show notes. And I'm going to go ahead now and cut to the Instagram live that I just did. Also, I want to share with you that next week's podcast episode is going to be amazing. You're going to want to subscribe to my channel if you haven't already, because that way you'll always be notified when a new podcast drops. And I have a really cool one coming up, which is all about uh, singing and singing in the pelvic floor and vocal exercises, vocal play for the pelvic floor and pelvic health. After that, I have a podcast coming up about episiotomies and gait and how the scar tissue can impact your mobility and your movement strategies. Oh my gosh, I have so many good things coming up. I can hardly even contain myself. So many amazing interviews. So just Subscribe to my channel if you haven't already and or subscribe to my podcast if you haven't already. And again, check those show notes for links to Lyft and all sorts of goodness. Okay, now we are truly on to the Q&A. So good to see you guys. All right, let's talk. We have Q&A today. And as I just mentioned, I'm actually recording on my podcast right now too. I have my little, my little external mic, so it's picking up. For my podcast and I get to chat with you at the same time on Instagram. I'm not doing Facebook today. It's just Instagram. So hello to my friends on Instagram. And um, again, I'm actually doing this for my podcast, but why not? Why not do both? Let's chat. And I have a bunch of really amazing Q and A's. I asked you all if you had questions for me. And so I want to go ahead and answer them because I got some really great responses, some really great questions, and I'm happy to answer them today. I want to do this kind of rapid fire and and quick. And so I'm going to go through the questions and I won't um, read comments until the end. So if you want to write a comment, please do. 
In the meantime, though, I'm going to go ahead and just get right into the questions. So first, though, before I dive into the questions, I want to let you all know, thank you to those of you who already checked out my Lyft program, my brand new Lyft 2.0 program. It's it's just my baby. It's my labor of love. I have put so much heart and soul into this program. And if you've checked it out, amazing. If you have purchased it, amazing. If you just wanted to poke around and look at it and look at it and think of it for the future, that's amazing too. So check it out. All right, let's go ahead and get right to the questions. So the first one is from M. C. Great question. And she says how to isolate right slash left slash anterior slash posterior during kegels. So kegel exercises are controversial for the first the first thing to say is that not everybody believes that kegels should even be done. I come from an approach that's if you are doing kegels correctly, if you're squeezing and lifting and then fully and completely releasing, then I think they're a great tool in your toolbox to work on coordination and control and they can help with, again, endurance, they can help with strength of those muscles, being able to quickly and and, uh, easily activate them when you really need them. They can also help with sex and sexual sensations and that kind of thing as well. But the, the caveat there is, again, you have to be sure you're doing them right. You have to be sure you're able to fully relax after each contraction. And you have to know that they're just a tiny, tiny tool in your overall toolbox. So regarding kind of isolating those different parts of the pelvic floor, because yes, there are absolutely different you can you can isolate the front versus the back versus the side versus the other side so some tricks that i have for you mc are if you're wanting to really think about the more front portion of the pelvic floor so we have your deep pelvic floor muscles and then some more superficial muscles on the outside as well so if you want to think about those deep muscles but also those superficial muscles that are on the more of the outer layer of the pelvic floor We can think of that as the anterior triangle. So there's a little triangle of tiny little muscles that surround the urethral opening from the the pee hole, essentially, and the vagina. And then there's more of a posterior area that surrounds the anus. So if we're thinking about more of that pee hole area, the urethral area, you can think about, this is a weird one, but I like it. You can think about picking up a blueberry or an M&M or something small and tiny with your urethra so the more the more very front or even think of like your clitoris i mean that that really we're thinking the front if you want to direct your attention think about this what's going on in the front more frontal area of your vulvar region so just think direct your attention to that area where the attention goes your energy flows and so we're if you just think about that more forward triangle so the vagina and the urethra and i mean the clitoris isn't really part of the pelvic floor but i'm just saying directing that attention to the front part of your vulvar area can be helpful and again thinking about sitting up nice and tall sitting on your sitting bones maybe even hinging forward from your hips just a little bit and then thinking about picking up a blueberry or a raisin or a m&m with those little delicate muscles in the front, the front part of your pelvic floor, and then fully releasing and setting that M&M back down on the chair. 
It's weird, but it might help you. And then when you're thinking about the more posterior part, you can think about doing the same thing, but with your anus. So you're thinking about squeezing and lifting the anus and then totally releasing it. And again, thinking about the raisin, the blueberry, the M&M, whatever, picking it up and then setting it back down. And then you, if you want to try the right side versus the left side, you can just, again, where your attention goes, the energy flows. So you can just focus more on the right side of your pelvic floor. That works for some people. For other people, you might actually need to get your hands involved. So this is a cool way to do it. Find your sitting, your sit bone, your ischial tuberosity. It's your sitting bone and your butt bone. And you can actually use your hands and kind of scoop underneath it and feel like you're pulling your right sitting bone out to the side. And then feel like you're gonna do a little kegel contraction. Now your butt muscles are gonna get involved too. But you can feel like you're squeezing and lifting and pulling that right sitting bone inward toward the center and then releasing it back out. And then you can absolutely use your fingers to kind of pull that sitting bone back out to the side as well to make sure that you fully and completely relaxed. And then you can do the same thing on the left side. So I hope that makes sense. Um, I, I'm, I'm just wanting to see if I can see some nice comments. Sorry, it's like dangling. I have this funny new um, holder for my cell phone that's like this dangling arm situation and it's really bouncy. So like I said, I'll check comments at the end, but let me know if you all have tried this. So just to review again, that left side versus right side, we can do the left side now. You can use your fingers, find your butt bone. If you're listening on the podcast, you won't be able to see this, but you can actually kind of sit your bum back like you're sitting back into a squat and you'll feel your sitting bones protruding back into your hands. So find the left side, wrap your fingers around it very gently and kind of pull that sitting bone out to the side and then try to Feel like you're using your pelvic floor muscles. Your butt muscles will be involved a bit too. Feel like you're pulling that left sitting bone back to the in, to the middle. And then release and actually use your fingers to draw the sitting bone outward a little bit too. So that's a way to isolate the different parts of the pelvic floor. Okay, so Annie Burns, hi from Australia. Woohoo! Sandy Van Gordon, hi from California. Lovely, I love this. This, uh, this around the world tribe, it's amazing. Okay, so let's go on to the next question. So this is from Elena Ford, and she says, how do I know if surgery is right for me? I'm 26 with a grade three rectocele and mild cystocele. <sighs> so that's a tough question, and that's really an individual question. It's not something I can answer by any means. Um, it's very personal. You have to look at, you have to weigh all the pros and cons of surgery. Uh, first of all, just undergoing surgery of any type is a tax on your body. And also, there's a lot of life ahead of, well, you know, of a 26-year-old for certain. And so that's a lot of um, surgery surgery is wonderful when it's needed, but sometimes surgery doesn't always last forever. And so just kind of thinking about all that time ahead of you, you, you might want to consider exhausting all conservative treatment options first. That's honestly, it's always my recommendation is to look into pelvic floor exercises and, and uh, mobilization, different ways that you can work with your pelvic floor muscles themselves, work with the scar tissue in the area, work with the mobility in the area. Talk to a women's health physical therapist and see someone in person if you can. If you can't, 
Programs like my Lift program are amazing to do with your physical therapy when you're seeing someone in person, or if, you know, worst case scenario, if you can't see a physical therapist in person, my Lift program is definitely something I recommend. But going through a program and or seeing a physical therapist in person is really ideal. If you haven't done that yet, I really recommend doing that, especially at age 26. And your cystocele, Elena Ford, you said your cystocele is mild. And so I would definitely recommend um, exhausting conservative treatment measures first. You can do a lot with rectocele. I know it's a very difficult condition and I know it's it's disheartening to be dealing with rectocele, but you can do a lot with diet too. So I'd make sure you're really looking into your diet and making sure you're managing your constipation and your bowel movements, that kind of thing. That's really important. I also would encourage you to look into maybe trying a pessary if you haven't tried that already. So lots of things to try first before going down the route of surgery. I'm not anti-surgery, it's just that I think it's really important to try all the conservative options first. Okay, so the next question, I'm just kind of, like I said, running through these. Is it a pelvic, this is from Danae Olson, Danae underscore Olson. Is it a pelvic floor issue if I can't stop tooting? I can't live with it anymore. So this is about passing wind. So yes, I mean, it can be a pelvic floor issue. Absolutely, that can be contributing. It can also be a gut gut health issue. So there could be some kind of dietary things that you're gonna wanna look into and making sure that you're not dealing with some kind of food sensitivity or food intolerance that's making you feel like you constantly have gas. So, I mean, there's a lot to that question to unpack, so I'm actually just gonna leave it at that. But yes, it could be a pelvic floor issue but I would definitely make sure you've looked into diet as well. Okay, next question. This is so fun. I love this rapid fire. Can you, this is from beautif, Beautifully Ill 86. Can your lift, and first of all, I just wanna say Beautifully Ill 86, I just wanna give you a hug. If you are ill, I love that you are beautifully ill. What a, what a beautiful reframe. If you're watching this right now, that's a beautiful reframe, I like that. So, Beautifully Ill 86. Can your lift program help with any type of prolapse or tension in the pelvic floor? So it can help, can it help with any type of prolapse or any type of tension in the pelvic floor? So yes, lift is designed to help with all types of prolapse. Uh, it's, it's not specific to bladder prolapse or uterine prolapse or rectocele. It's not specific, it really helps globally because we work on things that all types of prolapse would want to use these basic lifestyle tips and basic exercises. Lifestyle is the foundation of my LIFT program, and it's it's really important for all types of prolapse to know these lifestyle basics. I call it living a lifted lifestyle, and it is essential for prolapse, no matter what type of prolapse you have. As far as tension in the pelvic floor, it is a big piece of my program is to work, we're not just working on like, brute strength of the pelvic floor, absolutely not. We're working on mobility. And any program out there that you're wanting to use for your prolapse or for any type of pelvic floor issue, you're gonna wanna look for a program that isn't just focused on brute strengthening. It's focusing on mobility. Mobility is huge. Getting into your body, learning how to listen to and understand your own body so that you can then learn how to be your own guru and learn how to understand you know, what's going on so that you can ultimately heal yourself. Because you're with yourself 
all day long. Your doctor or your physical therapist or your personal trainer is not with you all day long. So you really need to learn your body so that you can be the master of your body and you can know your own limits. You can know how to modify things to make them safe. That's really key. And that's a big part of what I focus on in my program. As far as tension, I focus on releasing first, learning how to release those muscles first, doing a lot of deep breathing exercises to help you learn the difference between the activation and then the release of the core muscles in general and the pelvic floor. And we're constantly talking about releasing, releasing after a contraction, releasing at the end of our workouts, releasing, releasing, releasing. But that being said, if extreme tension is your primary concern, like if you're having a lot of pain with sex, if you're having a lot of pelvic pain, chronic pelvic pain and tension, if you can't seem to unclench your glutes, if exercising the pelvic floor area and the core area makes things worse, then I would actually focus not on my lift program. Even though I work on releasing, I would actually go to something else first. I would work on releasing and relaxing, just really focusing on letting go first. And I actually do have a 12-week guided program called Overcome that's specifically for that issue, Overcome Pelvic Pain for Women. And I have a version for men as well. So I'd focus on that program first. Or if you're looking for free stuff, I have a whole playlist dedicated to pelvic pain and tension on my YouTube channel. So that's what I would suggest for that. So just to kind of recap, yes, in lift, I do focus on releasing tension, but it's not the primary focus. So if you really need to focus and address that first, if that's your main thing, if you're having a lot of pain, then I would actually go for a full-on program or really focus on exercises and stretches and release techniques and relaxation techniques first before diving into anything that really goes into strengthening. Okay, next question I have on here. This is for from RRMXKK. So this person asks, what is the best combo to do in a week? How many days strengthening and releasing the pelvic floor, etc.? So I think for that, core work and pelvic floor work is different than like heavy, heavy weight, like bodybuilding or heavy, heavy weightlifting. Something that's really going to be, you know, if you really want to gain bulk and you're really looking to build massive muscle mass and that kind of thing, then you're going to need rest days in between your sessions. You're going to need to take a break. You're, you're not going to want to do leg day or, you know, biceps day every day. You need to take a break. You need to take a break to rebuild the muscles that are tearing in and breaking down in order to build up. With pelvic floor and core strengthening work, it's kind of like walking. That's kind of how I think of it as. Like, you can easily go on a walk every day and it's great for your body. It's great for mobility. It's great for cardiovascular health. It's great for, you know, just boosting your endorphins, making you feel good, keeping your endurance up, making you strong, using those postural muscles. And that's kind of what I think of as the core work that I that I teach and that I do. We do, I do, core work, so core strengthening and relaxing in almost every session. And you can do it as often as daily. You can do it as often as five to seven days a week if you have time for it. You also don't have to. Like, I think that once you gain, you, you get to the level of healing that you want to be at, you can maintain by doing five days a week of core work if it's a quick, you know, 10 minute routine or something. Or you can even do a 
less. You can do two or three days a week, but you do need to keep yourself moving and active. Like I said, walking, swimming, um, biking, dancing, whatever it may be, be for your body. It's really important to move your body every single day. And you can do the core work as often as every single day because it's not heavy duty, you know, muscle building, that kind of thing. So it's different. So you can do, you don't really need to worry about this specific combination. It's more kind of what feels good to you. And also what, how your body is responding to it. If you're noticing that your body's not responding well to doing something for your core every single day, then it might mean you're overdoing it. You're doing a little too much for your needs at this time and then you need to back off. So again, this is where it comes down to being your own guru and figuring out what works for your needs. It's gonna be a little bit different from everybody, but there aren't the same rules that there are in, say, bodybuilding. I'm not a bodybuilder, <laughs> but I know that there are like definite plans and protocols for building different, building your muscle groups. We're not really spot training in this either. I mean, yeah, we might isolate the pelvic floor a little bit, but we're working the whole core. We're working the whole body because it's all connected. So it's not like we're doing, okay, today's bicep day. No, we're doing, today is move your body day. And that's every day. <laughs> so I hope that makes sense. Um, you've really got to learn how to tune into your needs. And again, just do what feels good to you and move every day. Okay, the next question, we only have four more, I think. So the next question is, how much can a cystocele improve? And I think this goes actually with the next question. So that was from Jeanette N. Davis, is how much can a cystocele improve? And then the next question from Chris, K-R-R-I-S-T-I-I-I-N-E-E, I don't know how to say that one. She says, first level pelvic organ prolapse, is it realistic to get back to normal zero position with lift? So I'm going to combine those questions. How much can a cystocele improve? And if you have a grade one prolapse, can it get back to normal with lift? First off, I don't make any guarantees. Anybody you go to or see, if they make guarantees, you have to wonder what's going on here. Because <laughs> everybody's different and you can't, you can't guarantee outcomes for anybody. However, I can tell you that research has shown that mild to moderate, so that would be grade one and two, Grade one and two. Prolapse, cystocele um, is usually what's studied. It seems that cystocele is also a little bit more responsive to treatment. That's not, please do not take that as um, bad news. It just seems that cystocele is a little bit more responsive to treatment than rectocele. Rectocele is also responsive, but cystocele, bladder prolapse, seems to be pretty darn responsive to a lot of these treatments. Um, but grades one and two prolapse have been studied a lot and shown to be very responsive to conservative treatment options, such as exercise and lifestyle modifications. It's what I do in my lift program. So, and, and it's what you'll do if you see a women's health physical therapist in person. I always wanna put that out there and just let you know how, how much, if you can see someone in person, live, one-on-one -on -one in person, that's amazing. Please do so. My lift program uses basically what I use to treat myself, when I had mild bladder prolapse, and also what I used in clinic when I was working with patients one-on-one. -on -one. So these, this basic information, and then updated to include all the things I've learned over the last 13 years. So yes, cystocele can improve. In some cases, it can be reversed. I've seen it. I have 
you know, actually known many, 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 many people who've had their symptoms completely resolve using my program. And also research has shown, you can look at studies that show that grades one and two cystocele prolapse can be reversed or the symptom, symptom bother can go away. It's not a thing. Even if it's still there a little bit, it's not bothering you anymore. So if it's a little bit more severe, if it's grade three, grade four, then it's going to be harder to have those symptoms be reversed. So that's just being honest truth. It's not um, meaning to say that you shouldn't do exercise and lifestyle. If you have grade three and four, here's the thing. You can, first of all, prevent your symptoms from getting worse. Secondly, if you, at any level of prolapse, if you're using a pessary, you want to really maintain tissue health, the integrity of the muscles and the tissues in that area. You want to maintain that health. You want to keep those muscles and tissues strong and vital and you know, blood flow to the area and all that. So if you're using a pessary, you want to work those that area. You want mobility, suppleness. You want all of that. And so using a program like Lift or working with a PT is very helpful for if you're using a pessary at like a grade one, two, three, four, whatever prolapse. Also, if at some point in your future surgery becomes an option, you want to be as strong as possible going into surgery. And you also want the lifestyle tips down pat. Like you know how to live a lifted lifestyle so that when you come out of surgery, your surgery has the best chance for staying, <laughs> for not, you know, for not having an issue down the road, a complication. Because it, again, it can happen with surgery. So it's just really important to you really can't go wrong with learning how to release your muscles, with learning how to coordinate, control, strengthen in a supple, juicy way the muscles. Not like clench, but like learning how to make them responsive and strong in a supple way. And then foundational, learning the lifestyle tips that are going to keep everything really healthy and keep, and keep things from getting worse, even if they don't go back to zero to keep things from getting worse. But again, Christine had asked first level pelvic organ prolapse, is it realistic to get back to normal? Absolutely. Again, I'm not going to guarantee it, but yes, it's realistic that that could happen. So that's cool, right? That's really, really good news. You just have to treat your body right and you have to make sure that you are, you know, lifting right. You're managing, you're managing your lifestyle right. I won't get into all of that because I get into it in my program. But anyway, really, really good questions. So the next question is, how can I know if I have rectum prolapse? So this is from Basma underscore Amin. And this is something, so you're going to have to go to, oops, low power mode. Okay, low power mode on my phone. You're going to have to get a, um, a consultation with a healthcare provider who can really evaluate you. But the key here that I want to answer with this question is there's actually a difference between rectocele and rectal prolapse. So rectocele is when the rectum um, kind of pushes and things are shifting, your organs are shifting, and the rectum bulges into the posterior vaginal wall. So what you're feeling, if you feel kind of like a bulge in your vagina, from the, the backside, then that could be a rectocele. Now that's different from a rectal prolapse, which is when the rectum comes out of the anus. So the rectal prolapse is less common, um, but you'll wanna get them checked out by a provider who can really do an evaluation. So that's my answer to that cue. Okay, so the next question is, what do you recommend for people 
do you recommend for people with pelvic tension? I'm sorry. What do you recommend for people with pelvic tension or IC symptoms? And this is from this life underscore is a good life, which I love that that little uh, name. That's an awesome name. So what do I recommend for people with pelvic tension and IC symptoms? The first thing I recommend is to work on the mind-body connection, to work on diaphragmatic breathing, deep, slow breathing, combing your nervous system, resetting your body to safety, telling your brain that you're actually going to be okay. Um, Our brain can get in crazy protection mode because it wants to protect us. And when there's pain, it's really, really um, constantly, you know, wanting to keep us safe. And the way it knows how to do so is usually by tensing up our muscles. So our brain is like the master controller. It's the head of, of, it's the CEO of our body. And it's basically saying, we need to keep this body safe. There is, there's stuff going on here. There's IC symptoms. We've got to protect this woman. We've got to protect her. Or man so we've got to clench up and tense up and so that actually can be counterproductive when it becomes chronic and so the first thing to do is to tell your brain that you're safe and there's so many ways to do this but you know there's meditations there's self-hypnosis there's um, breathing exercises yoga relaxation meditations many different things and I have a whole playlist on YouTube free, totally free. It's my pelvic pain and tension playlist. I also have a whole uh, meditation playlist that has some good ones on there. And I also explore this entire concept in my program, Overcome Pelvic Pain. It's a 12-week program, Overcome Pelvic Pain for Women, and then I have one for men as well. So you can find that information in my link tree. So that's definitely what I recommend first. There's many, many things you can do. There's, you know, ultimately you can begin strengthening exercises when you get your tension under control. But the first thing is getting that tension under control and getting the nervous system in a safety mode rather than this alarm mode all the time. And I'm not saying that your pain is in your head. Not at all. I'm saying that we need to bring the mind into the body in order to get results. So, um, yeah, that's the first thing. There's, yeah. There's also dietary things and all that we can look into, but start with the start with the relaxation. Last question here. This is so cool. We've gotten through a lot. This is from, oh, this is another one from MC. I answered her question at the beginning. So she says, what time frame is the most appropriate to assess or diagnose prolapse in a postpartum woman? So this is usually done at your six-week checkup. So usually when you go in and at least in the system that I went through as an American, uh, we went in around six weeks for that checkup. And there is a lot shifting and changing. Just know that as a postpartum woman, there's a lot going on. And especially as you're breastfeeding, your hormones are still really, really um, circulating all through your body. Those pregnancy hormones are still circulating. So there's a lot of laxity still. There's so much that can change naturally. Now, that being said, it's still important if you're worried about your symptoms, if you have questions, go in and and ask about it at your six-week appointment. But I would caution you that if you notice symptoms, especially like at six weeks postpartum, just know that a lot can change on its own naturally as you heal from from your childbirth and as your hormones get back to normal. And there's a lot you can do as far as, again, lifestyle and careful strengthening starting around six weeks you can do that strengthening and a lot can change naturally on its own 
So really, oh, my family just got home. So I guess I better cut this off soon. It's perfect too, because this is my last question. But um, yeah, I mean, the main thing here though that I wanted to say is if you feel, so this is going to be kind of like, I just said that stuff can go on and that things can change. True. But here's the thing. Sometimes healthcare providers can make you feel kind of blown off and they can just be like, yeah, yeah, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't know if I like that either. So if you feel like something's going on, have hope, take heart, know that things can change. But I also don't want you to feel completely blown off and completely like just push to the side like it's nothing. Don't worry about it. No, I mean, start thinking about what you can do. Start thinking about lifestyle. Start thinking about exercise. Start thinking about managing your intra-abdominal pressure. Start thinking about the way you hold your body, the way you hold your baby. All of these things that can put pressure downward on your pelvic floor and can cause issues. So if you feel blown off, then take matters into your own hands and or, sorry, they're being kind of loud out there, and or... Um, see another healthcare provider. So that is my advice for that. And that takes us through all the questions. So thank you for watching. I'm going to see uh, what comments I have and, and move my little microphone out of the way. We'll see if I get this on the podcast. Okay, I'm just going to go backwards through these questions. Rocky Mountain Mama says, I'm going to see a urologist on Friday. Is this the right doctor to see? Great question. When I was in clinical practice, I referred patients all the time and patients referred me uh, or these people referred patients to me. They were called their specialty was a urogynecologist. So a urologist, yes, for sure. But if you happen to have a urogynecologist in your area, that's like amazing. <laughs> so it just kind of depends. I think that that I, I don't know this for sure, but I think that's a bit more of a um, you know, a subspecialty that would be a little bit harder to find based on wherever you live. Um, so just look into that though, but a urologist would be a good one. Urologist, gynecologist, or a urogynecologist. You can also go directly to a pelvic floor physical therapist. In most states in America, we have direct access as physical therapists, meaning that patients can come directly to us. Now, whether or not your insurance will cover it is another story, but we are specifically trained to evaluate people and see what's going on. Rocky Mountain Mama says, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, beautifully ill 86 says, I'm having a hard time with tension. I'm so sorry, <laughs> you know, and there's so much you can do um, to resolve it. I want you to take heart in that and just know there's so many people who I've worked with who have overcome pelvic tension. And I just would encourage you to take what I said earlier to heart, <sighs> slowing down, taking a beat to just breathe. And I'll give you a little personal story just from my own um, life. I actually don't struggle with pelvic tension concerns being a, a main issue that I have, but I will say that I was just under a lot. I, I put myself, it was all self-imposed. I put myself under a lot of pressure and tension with work, with some work projects that I was wrapping up. And well, one of them was my lift program that I've just released. And I actually started having some issues of urinary urgency and frequency, like bladder issues where I constantly had to pee. And I started noticing a lot of tension in my pelvic floor. And in fact, my perineum, the area between your vagina and your anus, that area got really tight, like a knot, like literally like you feel a knot in your shoulder. I felt a knot there. It wouldn't let go. 
And I was kind of freaked out. I thought, I mean, you know, I'm a pelvic floor. This is my thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on? And honestly, I tried the, I did the stretches. I did the deep breathing and it all helped. I did some stretching of the pelvic floor using my, my finger or having my husband help or using it, you know, there's dilators, there's different tools you can use. You can stretch the pelvic floor muscles themselves. I talk about it in my Overcome Pelvic Pain program, but what helped the most was getting done with my projects. I've got to be brutally honest. So what's your underlying source of what is causing this tension? What's causing your body? What's the emotional root that you could take a look at and say, what is this in my life right now? Am I working too hard? Do I need to put a project on the back burner for a while? Do I need to ask for support? Do I need to ask for help from a friend or family member? You know, do I need to say no to a task that I really don't want to do? Or do I need to, you know, just work my butt off to finish this one task so it can be done and I can put it aside? So that is really, really key is doing the stretches, doing the deep breathing, doing the relaxation work, but also pulling out by the root, whatever it is that's contributing to this underlying sense that something that your body needs to be on high alert, because that's what was happening to me. I'm not kidding you. I launched my lift program, that knot of tension, gone, gone. (laughs) Bladder urinary urgency and frequency, gone. It was like... I actually almost started crying when I kind of checked around and was like, holy crap, like this, this perineum is super soft. It's just the way it should be. It's supple. Everything feels back to normal in my pelvic floor. Maybe TMI. I don't know. I like to give TMI. So, um, anyway, that is my thought for you. As you talked about, uh, beautifully ill 86, as you mentioned that about tension. Okay. Alicia Mew Bison. Hopefully I said that right. Can you work out with pudendal neuralgia or does working out aggravate it? Um, So yes, you can work out with pudendal neuralgia, but you have to be really careful. (laughs) So first of all, it depends on your level. It depends on your, um, the, the acuteness of your condition, how severe, how significant it is. There's like anything, there's a range of people. Some experience just very mild symptoms. Some people experience more. So if you're having a really bad flare, then I would definitely not recommend this is not the time to go out and do a kickboxing class or whatever, something like that. So if you have, you know, a a chronic case, maybe, maybe you're feeling like, yeah, feeling okay. I kind of want to go out for a walk today. Whatever you think you should be able to do, should in air quotes, do a little bit less than that. I usually say do half, but maybe you don't have to quite go back that far. But if you think, oh, I should be able to go for an hour long walk because that's what I used to do before my pudendal neuralgia kind of made me a little less active. If you used to go out for an hour long walk, maybe just do a 30 or 40 minute walk. And and then after you're done, this is the most important part. So take it easy on yourself. And when you're done, build in at least five to 10 minutes, at least to do some deep breathing, relaxation exercises and stretches that open and relax and release the hips, the abs, the pelvic floor area, there are so many nerves. You know, the pudendal nerve is just one of the nerves in this area down here. We want to release, open, and relax all of it. So build in time after each and every workout to do that, and that will really help you. Okay. 
Sarah 25 says, can uterus prolapse stage three or four get back to normal again? And I actually did answer that one earlier, so I won't do that one again. Um, love my lie, love my L-Y. I went for a second opinion and was advised surgery is not the only option. Yay, I got referred to see a PT for my issues. That is an awesome story. And I just want to like, yes, I want to say yay for second opinions. That's huge. I know it's a hassle to go to get a second opinion. And I know right now, especially in this time of the world, it's hard to even get a first opinion, <laughs> you know, an appointment with one doctor or one healthcare provider. But if you get an answer that doesn't sit right with you, if it doesn't feel right, and if you're wondering if maybe there's another option, because every provider is going to be seeing the world through their lens, through their lens of training, through their lens of experience, through their lens of what they have time for. <laughs> Frankly, many of them don't have time for more than just oh my God, I've got to get through this patient list as fast as I can because I've got an office full of people waiting for me. I'm just going to tell them the first thing that comes to my mind. I'm not going to look at the whole person and it's not because they're bad providers. It's because of the way our system is right now. Like frankly, it is. And so just remember that when you're you're talking to a person, a human being who has faults and blinders and maybe only sees one perspective, just like we all do, right? And so if you're speaking to someone who maybe doesn't jive with, jibe, jive, whatever, who doesn't fit with you, it's not feeling right, or maybe you feel like, mm, but is there another way? Or maybe you feel blown off, or maybe you feel like they didn't have enough time to really spend with you and get to know you and to get to know all about you. Go get a second opinion. It's really, really important. So I love that story. I think that's amazing. All right. Well, I think that we got through all the questions. I went backwards through the comments. And if I missed any, I'm really sorry. But um, like I said, my family just got home, so I better go be a mom now. And thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. It's 222. What a beautiful number. I love that. Now it's 223. But it was 222 where I am uh, speaking to you from in Germany. And so I'm going to go ahead and sign off. But if you're interested in my Lyft program, please check it out. It is... Um, the first link in my bio on my link tree on Instagram, um, or you can go to bit.ly slash getfemlift, G-E-T-F-E-M-L-I-F-T. There's different options, and there's actually a coupon you can use for $100 off the bundle or the VIP bundle through February 14th. The coupon code is LOVE, L-O-V-E, all caps, because I love you. And because those two options, the bundle and the VIP bundle, provide support. And I really think that right now, community is really, really needed. And so both of those options you get in my Fem Squad community, which is group support, and the VIP option you actually get to work with me. So um, yeah, bit.ly slash getfemlift. All the information's there, and thanks for your attention. Okay. Love you all. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.